All right, where we left Joseph a couple of weeks ago, man, if I talk about you being served, I get a lot of amens. All of a sudden, I start asking about serving, and everybody's like, oh, me. All right, so Joseph, a couple of weeks ago, was in a pit. He was, he was stuck. He was in a tough place. He was thrown into a pit. Somebody else put him in there. Uh, may have been his arrogance, may have been some of the decisions that he was making, but definitely the people closest to him threw him in a pit. And then we see these Midianite traders come by. They were Ishmaelites, okay? Don't let that confuse you. That's like saying a Louisiana preacher that's an American. Come on, somebody, praise God for those two things. We are the boot. That means we can kick it with people. That's what I love about my state. The Midianite traders, they were Ishmaelites. They came by, and the Bible says that they had been to Gilead. And they were carrying with them myrrh and balm. So these Midianite traders, these people who were about to buy Joseph, and, and he was about to be traded into slavery, were carrying what we refer to as the balm of Gilead. Now, any Old Testament scholar, specifically those of Judaism, would understand that the balm of Gilead represents Jehovah Rapha. That is the Lord, our healer. So his brothers attempting to sell him into slavery and those traders attempting to accuse him and make money off of him were actually what God was using to deliver him. That means that God can use your enemy to anoint you for your purpose. God can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it into the healing balm of Gilead that actually positions you to the place that he had for you, even though it doesn't look like that place for this moment so here we go pick up in genesis chapter 29 39 not 29 10 chapters later genesis 39 verse 1 now joseph had been taken down to egypt and potiphar an officer of pharaoh captain of the guard an egyptian bought him so he's been sold into slavery twice just in this very short time period bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. That is, that's weird, guys, because, because I just told you that his brothers threw him in a pit, and then they sold him to some Midianite traders, and then the Midianite traders made more money off of him by selling him to the Egyptians. And yet the Bible says, God says, the author of Genesis says that the Lord was with him and he was a successful man. That means that although you feel like a prisoner, although you feel like you've been thrown in the pit, though you see yourself in a certain way, when the Bible says the Lord is with you, though you may see yourself in a certain way, God sees you in another way. You can be successful even though you're under the tyranny of somebody else. Now, I came to preach today and there's enough people in this room to get me excited, so just roll with me a little bit. He was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He wasn't the master of his house. Come on, I, all the guys said, oh, 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 oh. You know, we are the master of our, I am the Lord of this domain. No, 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 he was just a slave. 
And he, he had a master. But he was there. And the Lord was with him. And the Bible says that even though he was a slave, serving in somebody else's house, he was a successful man. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Does your boss see that the Lord is with you? His master saw that the Lord was with him. Does your spiritual authority see that the Lord is with you? Does your employer see that the Lord is with you? Does your spouse see that the Lord is with well, you? We just got personal. <laughs> His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Circle, underline, highlight, click and hold, select, whatever you got to do. Make sure and make a highlight around that word prosper. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he spent all that favor on himself, building his own kingdom. No, no, no. So he served. He found favor in his sight, so he served. Now, I can't preach this too much, but uh, this isn't a popular Western Christianity message. This kind of flies in the face of uh, your blessed life now. <laughs> this kind of flies in the face of your purpose-driven life. I mean, and I love those. I've read all of those, and i got highlights and notes all the way through them. But what I see in this passage is that the Lord being with Joseph and making everything that Joseph touched successful was not about him building his own kingdom. It was about him serving somebody else's. Can God use your blessing to serve somebody else? Are we spending ourselves so we can spend on ourselves? Or are we spending ourselves because he spent himself? And he can use us to serve somebody else. I don't even need the blessing, God. Just use me as a funnel. Make me a cup and overflow on somebody else. Now, look, I ain't saying that. Like, I'm saying that's the objective. I'm not good at it either. But that's where God wants us to be, that the Lord is with us. And even God's favor is just so that we can serve. See, when you understand that, you never burn out because you're fulfilled by watching other people being built up. When you understand that, you're not frustrated because you understand that God is using you to fulfill his purpose for you and the people that he puts around you. Let's keep reading. Verse 5, just going to jump forward. Verse 5, so it was from the time that he had made him, Potiphar made Joseph overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The Lord blessed the church body because of what you did. The Lord blessed the high school because you were in the halls. The Lord blessed the Zoom classroom because you were on the screen. <laughs> the Lord blessed the meeting because you were in it. The Lord blessed the house because you were there. His hand was upon him and it it wasn't Joseph's blessing, it was Potiphar's blessing, but it came through Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that Potiphar had in the house and all that Potiphar had in the field. 
Verse 6, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Can somebody else leave all that they have in your hand and trust you? Can God leave all that he had in your hand and trust you to spend it in the right way? To serve in the right way? To surrender in the right way? Y'all going to be with me before we get done with this. All that he had, he trusted it to Joseph. And it didn't bless Joseph. It blessed Potiphar. See, we live in an atmosphere in a society that if we don't have it, we get envious of the person that does. And we didn't even help them get it. We just mad that we don't got it. <laughs> Joseph was helping Potiphar build and grow and achieve and he got nothing in return except for positioned by God to be used for God's purpose number one if you're taking notes today I want you to write God wants me to prosper God he, he wants me to he wants me to prosper wherever I am whatever I'm we just sang about it and y'all were singing I heard most of you some of you sing a solo Solo nobody heard, because it says, that's, that's the oldest joke, it's funny every time. <laughs> but wherever, you, we just sang about the favor of God. That means when God opens up a parking spot on the front row, come on somebody, you pass it up and let somebody else park there. <laughs> that's not what you thought I was going to say, is it? <laughs> somebody opened up first class, I, I fly first class, I just walk up to the gate, the favor of the Lord is upon me. And they were like, would you like to upgrade to first class for free? His hand is upon me. I'm like, no, it's not for me. I'm just being blessed to be a blessing. That single mama needs a break from them babies. Put her up there. God wants me to prosper wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. God wants my house to prosper. God wants my bride. To, God wants my job. God wants my city. Come on, so we got to get over this poverty mentality, thinking that just because we grew up this way, we got to keep growing this way. No, no, no. I don't care how you grew up. I don't care how I grew up, whether it was good, bad, ugly, evil, or somewhere in between all of that. I believe that God has somewhere for me to go, and it ain't where I've been. I just know that God wants me to prosper whether I'm in a palace or in a prison in a prison or in a pit watch same chapter verse 23 Genesis 39 23 the Bible says the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority now he was in a palace and he was falsely accused of impurity, which we'll go over next week because he positioned himself to be falsely accused and he wasn't as innocent as most preachers give him credit for, I don't think. We'll look at it next week. We're going to talk about being pure in an impure culture, being holy in an unholy society. It takes a lot, but God can help us get there. So from Potiphar's house to the palace to a, another false accusation, now he's in prison and the prison keeper 
didn't look on anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now I understand prospering in a palace, but how am I supposed to prosper in a prison? Because you understand that the ultimate palace is the place that you're headed. And so it doesn't matter whether you're in a temporary pit, a temporary prison, or a temporary palace, which I'm not against. You understand that your purpose is not for this place, it's for the people in this place to get to the next place. Whether I'm in a pit, or I'm in a palace, or I'm in a prison. The Bible said the Lord was with him, so he prospered. The Lord was with him, so he prospered. Now, because we live in America, and, and we watch TV and televangelists, and, and people have given this word a bad name, and there's whole doctrines that go just specifically to this word, we would refer to that as the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel takes God's principle, adds excess, and makes it selfish. In other words, like this very biblical principle that God wants me to prosper, takes that principle and makes it give to get so you can have more stuff, so you can be better, so you can be more. So people will look at you and look to you so that you can succeed. What the prosperity gospel misses is that it never has been and it never will be about you. And when you take prosperity and you turn it into an excess that is all about self-promotion, you degrade and defile the gospel of surrender. See, Jesus gave up his promotion so we could be promoted and anything that teaches otherwise is heretical and dangerous. But prospering is not heretical. It's biblical. To prosper and be prosperous in Christ is a very biblical principle. In fact, the Bible in Hebrew uses this word prosper over 60 times in just the Old Testament. And it is confirmed more times in the New Testament the Hebrew word for prosper in this text, the Lord was with him, so he prospered, is similar to the Lord was with Samson, so he made him to prosper over the Philistines, even though he had been evil. And that's where grace comes in, because we don't believe in a salvation by works. It's by grace that I have been saved, but it is by glory that I prosper. Come on. I believe that God wants me to walk with him and in him and use me as an example for him. Prosper, it literally means out. Man, that's good when you're in a pit. The Lord is with me and I prosper. It's real good when you're in a palace. Come on, somebody. You got all the bedrooms you need, all the closet space you need, all the storage that you need. All the kids have their own space. I'm, I don't know what that's like, but some of y'all can prophesy today. But when you're in a prison for being falsely accused, when you're in the storm longer than you intended to be, when you're being tested through the trial, the Lord's still with you. He still wants you to prosper, come on, in your marriage. He still wants you to prosper in your friendships. He still wants you to prosper in your work environment. Yeah, even in your work environment. Hey, did you know that it doesn't matter who your boss is? when you know who your father is? <laughs> it doesn't matter. God can put anybody he wants to in that position because you know who's with you. 
and who's going to prosper you. And God can use you to make your boss better. Not to talk about them when they're not around, but to make them better, whether they're around or not. In other words, God can use you to make them look good, and you don't need anybody to notice how good of a job you did. Now, I ain't there. Come on, I'm not there. We working, like, we working on it. This is my helpmate. She helps me be there and tells me when I'm not, whether I wanted her to or not. Come on, it's okay that we're growing into this place. God wants, guys, listen, hear me. Listen, this is not prosperity. God wants to put his favor upon your finances. He wants to. You know why? Because he wants to send missionaries all around the world. He wants to funnel finances through his people. He wants to build a building for cash so that we can make more room for more people who represent more. All you care about is numbers. Well, duh, all I care about is numbers. I'm trying to empty hell and fill heaven. And if you want to go with me, then help me and be used by God. I'm trying to make saved people more saved. What is the point of that? We're trying to grow a church. Be out. Hebrew word for out. It literally means to press on, to push through, to move forward. He wants my family to move forward. He wants my children. He wants my bride. He wants, come on, there's not a place in my life that God doesn't have access to unless there is. Here's the promise and the problem. I only prosper in his presence. I'm not talking about earthly success. I'm talking beyond that. I'm not talking about temporary things that moth and rust destroy. I mean beyond that. That God could put me in a prison, and as long as he's with me, I'm still going to prosper. That God can allow me to be thrown or cast into the deepest place, and I understand, like David, whether I'm in the heavens with you or in the pit of Sheol, you were there. You were there. I only prosper in his presence. That's a promise. In his presence. I, I think Jesus said, I, Paul said in Christ, I can do all things through Christ. That means like with Christ. In his presence. I can do all things. And that ain't about scoring a touchdown. Although that's cool too. I like touchdowns. Especially when LSU and the Cowboys score them. <laughs> I said y'all had to. I like touchdowns. Some of y'all are like, wait, what'd he say? Where are we? <laughs> we get stuck in North Louisiana, somebody didn't tell me something. <laughs> I only prosper in his presence. Here's the problem. Too many times, too often, we walk away from God instead of walking with God. And people fall away and they walk away. Well, I tried that. Well, hang on a second. I'm going to get to you. Number two, God requires my obedience. God wants me to prosper. But me being able to prosper for eternity is tied to my obedience in the temporary. God requires my obedience. I asked the family. I, I love Coach Ryan Desitel. Coach at uh, Eunice High School, Eunice Junior High, Eunice High School. And look, look, look I, I'm about to brag on another person that happens to be 
connected to Eunice, but listen, I love our Iota guys. I love our Basil. I love our church. We got all these people. I, I, we got some people drive all the way from Ville Platte this morning. I told you I love the Cowboys. There ain't a fan in this room I don't love, okay? Come on, somebody. If you can like the Cowboys in South Louisiana, you got to love all the cities around South Louisiana. But this morning, I want to highlight this man who I had the privilege to preach a funeral for, and I asked the family per, for permission to share this. His name was Mr. Bobby Hamus. Bobby Hamus was at every game. He was at every gate. He was at every event. Everything his boys signed up for, he served him. He was always there, and he took ownership, expecting nothing in return. I said he took ownership, expecting nothing in return. Why? Because he understood that the purpose was bigger than him just getting credit. And, and that's why people burn out, by the way. They burn out because they don't understand that your reward is not always here. They burn out because they needed credit for the effort that they gave. I get frustrated because I needed credit for the energy that I put out. I needed somebody to notice me. See, we make it about us. And then we get stuck or we get frustrated or we burn out instead of building up and being fulfilled by pouring ourselves out. We begin to, instead of spending ourselves for the sake of the gospel, we begin to spend ourselves for our selfish gain. And then we get stuck and we miss God's purpose of being spent. Bobby Hamus didn't miss that purpose. He was there. When his cane became too unstable for him to stand on, he began to be there with a walker. When his walker was, was not enough to keep him upright and get him from place to place, he found a wheelchair. When the wheelchair wouldn't roll the way that he wanted to, he got a motorized wheelchair. He would drive from New Gurney up Hill Street, cross Maple. Have you driven across Maple recently in a vehicle, much less a motorized wheelchair? He would go across the walking park, through the field, down the road, and be at the gate every week on time for Coach Scott Phillips because he understood that he was the gatekeeper and he wanted to, no matter what came to pass, just like I love Ryan Des, I have put my remote control down and gotten up and found something to do on a day I'm supposed to be resting because I look out and see Ryan Desitel running around like a man with purpose. Come on, it ain't like a chicken with a... He's got a point. He's got a purpose. He's getting something done. Well, Chris, I gave like the Bible tells me to give. I served like you said I'm supposed to. I went through next steps. I joined a small group. I went through a freedom group. I've been here for a year. I did what God asked me to do. Great. Awesome. Keep going. Keep pressing. If you fall, get back up again. Look up to the Savior and let him lead you to the next place because God wants you to prosper. He wants to get you out. He wants to move you forward, but he requires that we obey. He requires. The problem and the promise is that I obey what I believe. Let that simmer for just a second. Let me give you an example. Um, I accepted the challenge. I prayed. I was prepared. And I went with a child to Walmart last week. <laughs> Y'all didn't know what I was going to say. I did, for real. I called my wife. I said, don't send me another text. I ain't getting nothing else. They don't have most of the things you already asked me for. Leave me alone. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. 
I got to get out. The Lord wants me to prosper. I'm preaching it this Sunday. He wants me out of this pit. I'm telling you right now. But I took them, and I can watch. You can watch. You can see. When you go through Walmart, you can see whose children believe them. Right? Because they'll tell them something. And if the child believes them, then they obey. But if the child doesn't believe, they don't obey. And Chris goes to another aisle. Because I don't need my kids acting like that. Because when my babies don't obey, they, something else happens, okay? Well, hey, hear me, listen. Don't make God make you a believer. Because you will obey what you really believe. So if you want to know what you really believe when nobody else is looking, if you want to know what you really believe when you think you're going to get away with it, if you want to know what you really believe, all you have to do is look at how you obey when you're driving I told you she tells me whether I want her to or not. <laughs> All you have to do is look at how you obey. Because when you believe, obedience follows. See, obedience doesn't always produce belief. In fact, sometimes obedience, if that's where you put your stock, hear me, if you put your faith in your ability to obey, then obedience can actually produce unbelief because you'll tell God what you've done. You'll tell God and remind God how obedient you've been. But belief always produces obedience. Hey, my babies, and I ain't perfect, we're trying to be consistent. We're teaching effective parenting in a defective world because we're trying to figure it out too. Come on, so we got more questions than we have answers. But there's one thing I know. My kids believe me. <laughs> they don't always believe her. <laughs> if I have to tell you one more time, y'all can hear it. I'm going I'm to tell your daddy. <laughs> That's awesome. I've been going all day. I'm going to come home. They're all scared of me. I ain't even said nothing to him. He's home. He's home. <laughs> but that's what disobedience produces. See, when you're disobedient, you're scared of who you're supposed to love. When, when you miss God's purpose for your life and you think this is all about your effort and your energy and your work and your... No, no, no. God requires obedience. Why? Because he requires belief. And just as his presence is required for me to truly prosper, I have to obey. But it's really out of obedience, out of belief that I do so. Here to hear, here to hear, they complement one another. It's not this or this, it's this and this Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 we're good at quoting this to our kids we're just not do, good at doing it in front of our kids children obey your parents in the Lord now listen some of us some of us 40 50 60 years old 
we've never repented for this rebellion, so we're still carrying this curse. We never repented for those years that now we just go, well, everybody got to go through that. No, they don't. No, 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 listen to me. You don't have to go through hell to get to heaven. Jesus already did that. You don't have to go through a season of rebellion and disobedience just to walk with Jesus in revelation and obedience. You don't have to do that. And every child doesn't have to do that. If they did, then why did Jesus die and be resurrected from the dead? Why did he just stay dead? No, no, no. He was resurrected to life so that you could live it. So that they could live it. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor. Honor. Now listen, you don't have to agree in order to honor. You don't have to agree with your parents in order to honor your parents. Now let me just say, look, as soon as you repent, like as soon as you recognize this and you ask for forgiveness, like God is that good. That's what grace is. See, grace is a covering for things that you can't do anything about. It's not an excuse for the things that you could change in Jesus' name. Grace was never meant to be extended into an excuse. I'm trying to help somebody. Grace was meant to be a covering for the things that you've already done, not, for, not an excuse for the things that you don't want to stop doing. That's disobedience. Honor your father and mother. It ought to say, especially when you disagree with them. Because anybody can agree in honor. This is the first commandment with a promise. Remember, every time that God gives a promise, it's a promise in obedience. It's a problem in disobedience. This is the promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You think it's an accident that the average lifespan today is lower than the psalmist prophesied it's supposed to be? You think it's an accident that the average lifespan today is half of what God said he wanted his spirit to be with people in the book of Genesis? We're going in the wrong direction because we're tied to disobedience or we're promised in obedience. It may be well with you. If we believe that God chastises those he loves, and that's like every like mad preacher's favorite verse. He will discipline you when you disobey. Just like I beat my own kids and they still act like a fool, but I ain't gonna quit whipping them. Well, there will come a day when they're no longer around. And I agree that if you spare the rod, you hate your child. It's not spoil the child. That's a bad term. The Bible says he who spares the rod hates his child. Say, I love my baby enough not to just slap them in a reaction. I want to, but I don't. God help me. And that's why the Bible says rod and not hand. See, because if you pick up a belt, this is premeditated, and they understand. I'm not whipping you because I'm mad at you because the wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I'm not whipping you because I dislike you, but I'm going to discipline you because I love you. Okay, listen, if we believe that, then why do we not believe that God wants to prosper us when we obey? Why do we not believe that God wants to reward us when we honor? God wants to prosper, but God requires obedience, just like we do as evil parents. I, I, I appreciate your attention. I, I, I need you to understand that 
when we move from what God has for us, then we begin to pay the same price that his son already paid for us. And we trample underfoot the son of God again and again. Well, I already did that. Good. Let's do it again. Let's do it some more. Let's be obedient. Third and final point. God wants me to prosper. He requires my obedience. But God gave me his word. Now, when I say his word, we often think of this book. Oh, he gave us the... Yeah, we have the completed word of God. And let me just say unapologetically, like without hesitation, that this book is the absolute authority. If this book is not the absolute authority, then nothing else matters. There's not another man, woman, child, church, or doctrine that can rise itself up or add to or take away from this, this book. This is God's absolute authority. No thing, no one, no doctrine, no teaching outside of this book. And you can assume that that's directed to whatever you want to assume it's directed to. I'm telling you, this book is the absolute authority. Because God said, through John, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God gave us His Word. He gave us Jesus. And Jesus is the absolute authority. Jesus is the one that will last in all eternity. And it is through His Word that He reveals Himself. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith or belief, which is what is required to obey which is what produces obedience, faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God or hearing Jesus in your spirit or in what he's already said. So here's my question. You ready? Everybody look this way. What are you listening to? Hang on. Who are you listening to? Don't go to your single friend for marriage advice. That's stupid. <laughs> Come on, don't go to your drunk buddies for how to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. They're still giving themselves to all these other things. They're not going to give you the biblical advice that you need in that moment. Who are you listening to? What are you hearing? If it's not his word... It's not God that's moved. It's us. We'd rather be entertained than anointed. We'd rather be pleased than productive. God gave us His Word. And He will increase our faith if we'll just hear it. And then, when we increase what we hear, we increase what we believe. Come on, are you with me? Do you see the process here? When you hear the word through podcasts, through Bible apps, if you still have one through cassette players, my 2002 Z71 had a cassette player. I used to listen to the word of God on a tape. I'm old too, come on somebody. People are like, 
these young, the, the younger people, they're like, you can listen to stuff on tape? I thought you just held stuff together with tape. What is he talking about? <laughs> However you need to listen. If all you ever do is listen to news or other people's news, you're going to be miserable. You're going to doubt. Because faith is produced by hearing and hearing the Word. Hearing the Word of God. When we hear, we believe. Throw that back up there. When we hear, we believe. And when we believe, we obey. And when we hear, believe, and obey, we prosper. In the pit of the palace or the prison, the Lord was with him. And he understood that his ultimate purpose was the ultimate palace so he didn't get distracted by his environment. Listen, if Joseph heard, if Joseph believed, if Joseph obeyed, then so can we. Let me give you one more scripture. I'm going to preach this thing out of here. Revelation 1, chapter 3. Re Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud, not who just reads to get it over with because that's what you're supposed to do. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep. So be not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. But if you find yourself having a hard time doing, then you need to spend more time hearing. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and don't just build their foundation on sinking sand and get blown away with the storm. But they keep and obey what is written. And their house is built upon solid rock. So when the storm blows through, the house may be blown around. But even if it's blown down, I'm still standing on the rock because my foundation has not shifted not because I heard but because I did James 1:25. not in your notes it says but the person who looks into this perfect law of liberty and is not a forgetful hearer is not a forgetful hearer but a doer the Bible says New Testament prosperity this one will be blessed in all that he does. When I hear, I believe. When I believe, I obey. When I obey, I prosper. What does that mean? It means when I get in God's word, God gets his word in me. When I abide in Jesus, Jesus abides in me. When I walk with God, God walks with me. When I spend time in his word, his word starts spending time through me. It was his word that was the peace in the middle of the storm. It was his word that healed the centurion's son. It was his word that was a lamp unto his feet when he couldn't find his way. It was his word that was a light unto the path whenever he needed to see what was coming ahead of him. It was his word that shall last and sustain forever, though everything else passes away. It is his word in the book of Revelation that he will tear down nations and cause kings to lay down and submit. It was his word that I put my faith in. It was his word that initiated creation and it will be his word that escorts me into eternity. I gotta give Get his word in me so that he can get his word through me.
God gave me his word. I want my babies to walk in his word. I want my bride to walk in his word. I want his bride to walk in his word. But in order to walk in it, you got to get it in you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Father, thank you for the patience of these people. Thank you that your word does not return unto you void. Thank you that you want me to prosper. You want to use me. You want to bless me to bless somebody else. You want to bless me in my finances when I give as your word requires me to. Not a tip, but in absolute obedience. God, you want to bless me in my job when I honor the way that I'm supposed to. You want to bless my family when I repent for not being a blessing. You require obedience, but you gave me your word. Help us with our belief so that our obedience will follow. If you're listening right now, I don't have time to beg you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, if you need to recommit or really commit your life to him for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you need to surrender, if you need forgiveness, if you need to be saved, born again, right now, I want to invite you right where you are to simply open your hands, whether you're right here in the house or you're watching online, live or later. God's presence is not subject to a place, but it responds to a person. Right now, would you open your hands if you need to receive salvation, if you need to recommit your life to Jesus. The Savior is here. The Healer is here. The Redeemer is here. Church, I want to invite you to support anyone who needs to pray this prayer. And I want to invite anybody that needs to pray to say this out loud, to say it out loud. Don't say it in your heart. Say it out loud. Confess out loud. Come on, let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me when I listen to the wrong people and the wrong things. Help me to believe as I hear. I surrender. I believe you gave your life so I could live. You were raised from the dead. You saved me. You forgive me. You can heal me. You want me to prosper so you can use me for somebody else. Take my life. Make it yours. May I follow you through anything as long as I live. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, somebody give God praise this morning. <laughs>